It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, our season in review continues with a look at OG Ananobi. Was he the single best thing about this Raptors season? We'll discuss that. We'll discuss his future, which is either very much entrenched in Toronto or a little murky, depending on your perspective. We'll get to all of that with Katie Heindel of Dime and Basketball Feelings coming up on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1384 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, April the 19th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I cover the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram, Locked On Raptors. Just search it up. It's right there. You get clips. You get uh, mailbag prompts, all that good stuff over there. And we got a Discord server. Join the Locked On Raptors Discord. The link to join it is in the description. Whether you're listening on audio or watching on video, come hang out. Vivek Jacob's in there dropping takes. I'm in there trying to talk about the Blue Jays. Uh, It's great. Uh, Come on in. Join our little Lockdown Raptors community over there on the Discord. Also, a reminder, you can subscribe for free to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on audio or on YouTube. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that as well. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
guaranteed. Okay, we're continuing on our season in review series, digging player by player into the wreckage that was the 2022-23 Toronto Raptors season. And joining me to talk about the new part owner of the London Lions, shout out former Raptors 905 assistant Ryan Schmidt, head coach of the London Lions, friend of the show. I think he's been on this podcast before. Shout out to the London Lions. It's OG Ananobi. And Katie Heindel is here to dig into OG's season. Katie, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. Just uh, staying up way too late watching mm. playoff basketball. But no stakes playoff basketball, so that's nice. That is, you know what, Katie? As much as it stinks to not watch the Raptors in the playoffs, it is really great to be detached from the <laughs> chaos and the drama and mm-hmm. the takes that go flying around. During the playoffs, I just get to be a neutral observer flinging poop from my own little corner <laughs> against all of those uh, against whom I wish to fling poop. Um, it's great. Having fun. And uh, yeah, I, I, more Kings Warriors, please. Although the Draymond Green thing is uh, certainly a spicy meatball to throw into that series. We're not here to talk about the best series I've ever seen, ever. Uh, no, we're here to talk about OG Ananobi, who had himself... A pretty darn good season for your Toronto Raptors. I think unquestionably his best season overall as a Raptor. 17 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, shot 39% from 3. And we know the defense. He finished with all uh, Defensive Player of the Year votes. Uh, I believe he was 8th in the voting. We'll Mm -hmm. see about all defense. I think 6 of the 7 players ahead of him are forwards or could be classified as forwards. So might be a little dicey for all defense. We shall see. But... Nonetheless, leads the league in total steals and steals per game was uh, a menace every single night, it seemed, against whomever he was guarding. Katie, I have to ask you to start this thing off. Was the play of OG Ananobi the single best thing that happened to the Raptors this season? Honestly, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about this, like, before knowing we were going to talk about him today and and Mm -hmm. how much like going into the season and then in the early part of the season I was so nervous because and I kept saying like you know I just want this to be the season where he gets his opportunity and he gets his runway and he gets to like play a full season Mm -hmm. and I realized in that I wondered if it's kind of like one of those like you know care for what you wish for right because like he got that but the t like the backdrop you know that he got to do that and like the team he got to do that with, uh, not so good. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, I think, um, I just think his growth, the opportunities that he had this season, also just to be on a stage where I think um, a lot of other people, whether that's, you know, national broadcasters, you know, got to see other, I think like folks around the NBA um, got to see how he can play. And I think how we knew he could all along Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just like a very cool thing. And I think a really worthwhile thing for him, whatever the future holds. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think everything about this season for OG, you can kind of look at in a positive light, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff that was, and we'll get into it in the second segment, the stuff that you could deem as like negative elements of his season. I don't even necessarily know if they were tied to OG himself, right? Like, yes, there were some swoons from three-point range, but for the most part, I think his struggles were tied to the general busted construction of the team more than anything he was doing wrong. Um, But when it comes to sort of just everything that went into this year, I I think the thing that I'm kind of taking away is, you know, there's room for stars who don't have the ball all the time in the NBA. There's room for stars who aren't offensive engines. And I think OG is creeping into that territory. 
he's just he's bloody efficient right like 59 percent true shooting just about this season really i think cut out a lot of the more sort of less efficient parts of his game and really just mm -hmm. kind of plucked low-hanging fruit to great effect all season long and I wrote, I think it might have been my last ever blog post for Raptors HQ before hanging up the old uh, typey fingers. I did, what do you hang up when you retire from blogging? I'm not sure. Not, not, uh, Hopefully shoes. not your fingers. No, uh, I mean, I don't use them for anything on the podcast. I could go fists only. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think my sort of takeaway coming into the season for OG was like, just let OG do the thing OG is really good at, which is be an opportunistic scorer, be a trigger man, be the guy who can finish off plays super efficiently yes there's going to be some opportunity for him to weave in some self-creation here and there but there are other guys in the team who are better at that stuff let og just kind of live in the zone where he dominates and if you do that it's just all of these different elements of his game that are so strong and glowing the defense the scoring off of cuts the catch and shoot uh three-point shooting all of that if you just let that be the stuff he focuses on he does all that stuff so well that he is going to transform himself into something resembling a star player, even if the numbers don't suggest, like 17, 5, and 2, five and two don't scream, look at this star player, but in his role, absolutely he's a star. He might be, like, the best fourth option in the NBA, right? And there's no shame in that, just because, you know, that there was this sort of, I think, unfair connecting of dots between Kawhi Leonard and OG just because they're both similarly sized and muscly and quiet. Um, I think there's this sort of desire to see OG become this, you know, apex predator wing type player. And that's not in the cards for everybody. But if you can really hone in on the stuff that you're good at, I think for OG, he was probably the player this season that the Raptors did the best job with of accentuating the stuff he does well. And that is the stuff I'm taking away from this season. I don't need to see OG create 20 times a game. I don't need to see him run a ton of pick and rolls. Do the stuff you do, and mm -hmm. you're going to be damn excellent. I think we saw that over the course of this season. Um, as far as sort of big overarching positive takeaways was there anything in particular like a certain section of his game like something that really popped to you as like something you're really going to take away from and, and hey you know do, do you want to see maybe even a more leveled up responsibility for him based on some of the stuff we saw this year i'm obviously down the stretch of the season there's a little bit more in terms of pull-up stuff mm -hmm. and a little bit more creation in little pockets where he could go do it and, and not just detract from the offense or the flow um what do you see as sort of um you know his, his future in that creation department and otherwise you know what are the other parts of his game that really popped to you i mean i'm sort of two minds about it especially in the camp of like everybody always needs to do more mm. because th i don't think you know to your point that's not always necessary nor not always possible really with five worthwhile. players on the floor yeah. yeah or possible or just like you know when you look at the things that he does really well a lot of which you outlined that's enough to me <laughs> yeah you know like that's kind of more than enough and there are a lot of other teams that would kill the contributions that he's able to make you know in mm -hmm. game that said i do want to put some weight behind you know whether or not they were rumors or mm. um you know just like his uh his apparent desire to have more of a role like mm -hmm. a of a of a role in like a defined role of the team because i do think that was a problem mm -hmm. team-wide for a lot of guys there was a real lack of clarity uh in terms of direction and you know and within that there's expectations of somebody and what their ex what the team's expectations are of them um and then i think there's conduits for future growth in 
in giving somebody a role. And mm -hmm. I would have liked to see that, you know, and I would if, you know, if he still stays with the Raptors, mm -hmm. um, I would like to see that next season because I think he's somebody who's shown he can take on responsibility and maybe that role to, to be clear, like maybe that role, it's not like, Oh, you got to do a ton more things. It's just, you know, we're going to make plays that are going to be more generative for you mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. focus on your skill set, Right. And mm -hmm. really like put you in a good position to shine. Um, because I think that's completely like if this, if the Raptors are going to still be this like defensively, and I don't know about this because I do feel like they got to go back to the drawing board on this one. But if you're going <laughs> to hang your identity right on your defense, hmm. you have the best defender. <laughs> like he's pretty right good there. starting point. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's to me like that was a really big question mark, right? To hmm. say like no, we're like we always focus on our defense. That's like our calling card. Hmm. Whereas then it's like sometimes OG looked a little bit like, you know, um, not he was lost out there, but just like there was no room for him. And there was so, no support. Yeah. Right, yeah. For his exactly. Defense. Exactly. And I think, so, yeah. yeah so sorry. just, I, I think to me, probably, I know you asked if like what I, what I liked the best, but that's kind of tied to what I liked the best. Cause what I liked the best mm -hmm. was seeing him really thrive in that area in a way that I think we always knew he could, mm -hmm. What I would like to see is more emphasis put, put on those, those skills. Yeah. And I do wonder, you know, obviously, I think the shape of the team changed drastically after Yak came in. And I think that is it was really encouraging to see the way OG really thrived playing mm -hmm. off of Jakob Pertle. Mm -hmm. um, he might be the guy, you know, I know Fred's pick and roll game really got unlocked. But I, I think OG was the guy who benefited most from Yak, kind of both ends, right? Because there's a little bit more liberty for him on defense to be a little bit more of like a an aggressive menace type just because you know that yaks there behind you and you don't have to be the only line of defense there is a back line of defense now to sort of give him a little more insurance when he wants to go make his gambles and he's a very good gambler and so you let him gamble more it's going to lead to a lot of good things for the raptors mm -hmm. um and i do wonder I, I would love to get some honest on the record sort of uh you know impressions from og as to was the role he occupied after the yak of purdle trade was that in line with what the rumors were as to like, you know, his, his role? Is that something he's comfortable and happy with? Because if it is great, because I, I think the way he played after Yak arrived was so, so encouraging. And if you can just have that be the thing that he does, like, you know, he comes in and averages like 18 a game and mm -hmm. it's all on just efficient created for him looks. He's done. He doesn't have a huge creation burden on his own. He can just kind of be a trigger man and a play finisher. That to me is uh a pretty sweet thing to have in a fourth option on the floor. And I think Yak's arrival allowed that to kind of happen because that's one guy who doesn't demand the ball. Like Yak's buckets come through the flow of the offense, crashing the glass, that type of stuff. Whereas OG's, it is more tied to the flow of the offense and the dispersal of touches. And there's just more touches for him, more plays you can design for him when there's one guy on the floor who's not actively seeking the ball the way it was, I think, a tension point when Gary Trent Jr. was in the starting five, which we're going to get to in a sec now. We're going to dig into the sort of role tensions, the overlap areas where OG maybe didn't quite thrive this season uh, and talk about all that coming up in just a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Ultimate Basketball GM. Maybe you're the type of person like me who when I play a sports video game, yeah, it's fun to play the games, I guess, but mostly I'm just there for the transactions, baby. I'm there to set my team up and sim to the offseason 
season so I can do GM work and make trades. Ultimate, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is a great way for you to scratch that itch in a very easy and fun game environment. With Ultimate Basketball GM, you get to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for it all. Trades, drafting, hiring the right coaches, dealing with big personalities, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, all the ups and downs of multiple seasons and a challenging, realistic game world is where you get to apply your trade. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable, offline, play on the go as you want, and when you want to, you can play with friends, set up leagues with them as well. Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code on the screen if you're watching or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Continuing on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks to all the everyday listeners tuning in. If you are an everydayer, as always, drop it in the comments. Let us know. It's always nice to see the folks who make the decision to listen to me every day. Uh, <laughs> we'll get some help for you. Don't worry. Uh, let's uh, dive in, Katie, to the negative underbelly of OG Ananobi's season. And like I said off the top, I don't think you can really look at this season and say any of the things that were bad about OG's season were really on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Obviously, there was that sort of middle part of the season, I would say like January, where he really dropped off. I think we saw Scotty Barnes's sort of move into the middle of the floor, operating as the the center, as it were. You know, that became a lot more of a Scotty-centric team. It became a lot more, um, you know, uh, Gary Trent Jr. was obviously heavily involved there. And I think, honestly, the biggest tension point was lineups that featured both OG and Gary. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that is really the way the Raptors should be doing things going forward, right? And I think they learned that with the Acapurtle edition, just having someone who can connect the dots and tie things together and isn't looking for shots, that's massive to getting OG to a spot where he feels like he has a prominent role, where he's not kind of sharing a role like it felt like he was with Gary Trent Jr. Did you, like, what was your sort of impression of that tension throughout the season? Do you feel like the the Yak deal and the things after that we kind of talked about before the break did in fact have a positive impact on OG's role and sort of optimizing it. Uh, obviously, we haven't heard from him. There's been no burblings or rumors about his level of contentment with the role that he had in the last 26 games, but um, just sort of general impressions on the interpersonal, not even, it's not like it's a personal thing, right? It's just like a, a basketball overlap thing. Thoughts on the tensions that we saw with OG and his role and the sort of sharing of the ball uh, as we went throughout this season. 
Well, I think uh, a lot of them will be alleviated if we're just talking about Gary mm. and OG. Like, I just I don't, I don't think, I don't know that Gary will be back. I want to take that one. from yeah. his um, his comments, kind of in uh, in his exit interview a little bit. Um, anyway, I'll just say that those problems might be solved there. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm with you. I don't think that a lot of where he I don't even want to say struggle is not the right word, right? But mm -hmm. like a lot of maybe where he didn't play his best down those stretches. Yeah, January was one. I think right after the All-Star break, you know, another. Um, I don't think that was really due to him. I think that mm -hmm. was what we were talking about earlier where, you know, he's not often within these rotations put in the best position to capitalize. Mm -hmm. you know, on his skills on the floor, or they're not really calling on him to do that. I think when you've got also a second year player, I mean, to your personnel point, um, it is growing pains. You know, you've got sophomore Scotty Barnes, you're trying to give him as many kind of touches and opportunities as you can and to invest in him and really like grow mm -hmm. his skill set, um, of which like, you know, flagged and thrived again at varying parts of the season. I think if we are being told that like this is sort of the team, the team's going to be focused around Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, then I do think mm -hmm. that's probably the messaging internally as well. Sure. So OG, you know, is going to have to take a supporting role, which again, I think he'd be really good at. He has yeah. been good at it anytime he's been asked to step up and support in that way. And I do think that sort of role is very complementary to the things that he's good at. So again, I think the struggles are sometimes what's frustrating about them is, you know, I mean, from the outside, also, we could just sit here and say, like, X, Y, Z. Um, and I get that wasn't always possible with the injuries, you know, and them being down a lot of guys throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, but I would just really love to see the whether it's a coaching change or, like, a different approach to coaching mm -hmm. if all the coaches that the Raptors currently have stick around to focus on OG. Because I think where he struggled – is just because he hasn't been prioritized. Yeah, and I think the other times he can struggle is when, you know, there's injuries, there's guys out of the lineup, and he's kind of spread too thin and has to do a little too much in terms of, like, creative burden. Like, I think mm -hmm. we saw that during Pascal's injury early in the season, right? Is like right. He's, he's, He can do it in a pinch, but you ask him to do it over the course of full games, like, it's going to be a challenge. And I think kind of to spin this as to as far as like improvement areas for OG coming into next season and, and things that I'd like to see him kind of refine and work on. I do think he is like a touch of playmaking away from maybe kind of leveling up into a, a different type of player a more prominent player within the team just because like they're itching for playmaking. They're itching for dudes who can create stuff. Mm -hmm. And he is a walking paint touch. Said it all season long. He gets the ball. He drives. Like, not many people can stay in front of the bowling ball, man. And it's what he does when he kind of gets inside that I think leaves a little to be desired. You know, mm -hmm. his shooting around the rim, I, I think, you know, obviously he's dunking everything all the time. And that's that's very nice to see. Um, just pulling up his shooting numbers, though, you know, 54% uh, from two-point range. That's not, or sorry, that's, uh, yeah, that's his percentages from, yeah. I mean, okay, never mind. He was like 70% from inside three feet. <laughs> never mind. He's excellent from the rim. It's the three to 10 feet, the sort of short mid-range where he really struggled. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes down to, 
him not having a ton of options there, right? He kind of gets walled off and his playmaking, I think, is maybe just like a smidge slow in those situations. And so, you know, there can be turnovers that are baked in there, four shots with lots of contest around. Like, I think that's sort of the next phase of his game is once he makes contact with the paint, is he making that quick next read? And uh, I, I think, you know, it's there for him to do it with more reps. And, and I think in sort of a souped up third, fourth option role, there will be times for him to kind of hone that in and improve upon it. And he'll play with, you know, I think we saw lots of improvement in terms of like him and Scotty as a duo to run with second units. I think there will be opportunities there for him too. Yeah, as Katie <laughs> sneezes muted. That's a good job on the mute there, Katie. Um, allergy season. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, from the the sort of the playmaking from the middle of the floor perspective, that's, I think, the sort of next step here. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't come, he's probably capped out around what he is as a player right now, which is a very, very good player, a star in his roles we've talked about. But there's any sort of uptick in the playmaking and the quickness with which he's making those reads, um, the sort of diversity of plays from which he can make reads, whether he's working the short roll, whether he's running pick and roll and making plays going downhill. Um, you know, something that maybe a three-point shot could unlock is a bit more of a weapon for him. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that that to me is sort of the next step here. If there is to be another step mm-hmm. taken by OG towards stardom, it's playmaking, I think, hands down. You know, the, the, the efficiencies there from all these spots on the floor, essentially, outside of that short mid-range. Um, any sort of thoughts on that or any other areas that you'd like to see OG really refine coming into next season? No, I like all of those. I mean, the playmaking... It's so funny because it's like, yeah, the team obviously knows this is what they need. Mm-hmm. And you have somebody who's shown that he's capable of doing it. And mm-hmm. again, it's still just like, what's up? But Why has he shown that? Like he had 2.7 turnovers to 2.7 assists per 100 possessions this year. Like, I don't know if he has shown the playmaking chops. I think in there's been flashes. Like with yeah. most of the players on this roster, there are flashes where you want them to grow. It's just... I think this is this is like kind of my main problem and takeaway with um, you know like Vision Six Nine, <laughs> hopefully coming to an end is when there is no direction. When you're like, yeah, we're just gonna play free. Mm. That's like just as bad as I think overburdening, yeah, uh, athletes with way too much direction or way too much like specificity. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to tr- I'd like to see him try it more, and then if and 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 to then have it <laughs> have like plays that support it. Mm-hmm. Because other and then if it doesn't work, fine, toss it out yeah. the window, you know. But like, I don't think there's been um, like a, a proper sort of sample size to get a good judgment on that. But everything that you said, I agree with. I feel like there was, and I don't think I'm imagining it. Maybe like last season or early this season, there's been flourishes where OG has been like a decent three point shooter, especially from the corner. Oh, he's always been good from three. That's like yeah. kind of been uh, a rock solid, steady staple I mean, for him. I mean, I wouldn't say it's rock solid because I wouldn't say the shooting is rock solid for any Toronto Raptor. But um, <laughs> that does feel more of a like an attainable goal, hmm. perhaps, than the playmaking aspirations. I mean, I think certainly off of that, a little more volume from him would be lovely. I mean, we saw him putting mm-hmm. up eight, nine, ten threes a game down the stretch of the season, and that's where he should be. He had seven point mm-hmm. six attempts per 100 possessions this season that is the lowest he's had since 2019-20 where um you know he was still kind of in the growing phase as a player like he should be taking 10 threes a game he's really good at them and i I think if you are building this thing around pascal and scotty as your two pillars like having a very good catch and shoot three-point shooter around that is uh gonna be essential 
Um, having multiple guys who can catch and shoot is obviously uh, the preferred thing, but just considering the construction of the team, OG takes on such prominence and importance in making that starting five work right now. And, um, you know, barring Pascal becoming a 45% three-point shooter over one summer, that's still going to be a massive thing on OG's plate to sort of carry the day with a lot of three-point volume for this team. Um, You know, his three-point rate, attempt rate dropped to like i think a career low level this season as well um yeah the lowest he's had since 2019-20 so that that that's i would like to say that which isn't surprising like given how much they're trying to share the ball around in that sense though i don't agree that's always the best decision Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah uh, we're going to come back on the other side, get into the future of OG Ananobi. Uh, there was a lot of trade rumors around this guy going into the trade deadline, Katie. I may have said some things on this podcast that I no longer believe. We'll talk about <laughs> that uh, and uh, get into our Discord question of the day, which has to do with the OG trade saga as well. We'll get to that momentarily. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets for your favorite event should not be stressful. It should be easy. You should be able to do it on a whim. Maybe there's a game in your town that you weren't thinking about going to, but you had your night free up and you want to go on short notice. Game time is the place where you can forget planning months in advance. They got tickets, deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference that is a wonderful promise get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive buy tickets in a matter of seconds just two taps and you're set and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never got to dig through your email i hate doing that at the door where i'm trying to sort through my phone maybe there's a million people around and the, the service is slow you can't get your your proper ticket up no worries anymore because game time's just going to send those tickets right to your device snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nba for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code locked on nba for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We continue on, rounding out our OG Ananobi season in review episode, and we're going to start off with our Discord question of the day from the listeners again. Uh, putting out the call before each of these review episodes for the Discord folks to drop a question that we'll use in the show. If you want your question used, join the Discord. It's in the link. Do it. What are you doing? Why are you waiting? Get in there now. Now! Okay, um, question today comes from Ben Chapman. Does the OG trade talk in the short term feel short-sighted? Because although not necessarily a floor raiser of a flawed roster when it comes to time to hit that theoretical ceiling... You won't be able to because you'll be an OG short. Does OG's value essentially feel like it's maybe not properly weighed because he is sort of a guy who's going to raise your ceiling as opposed to raise your floor? And on a bad team like the Raptors mostly were this season, he doesn't quite shine. He doesn't quite get that. The the, the value doesn't quite come through the same Mm -hmm. way. Essentially, if the Raptors traded OG, would they regret it almost instantly not having him on the roster? Um, look, 
Trade deadline time, I thought there was a pretty sound argument for dealing OG Ananobi. Uh, it seemed as though there might be some sort of bidding war for his services. And in the sort of, at that time in the season, the fit was off. He obviously, there were the rumors of his discontent. Uh, it seems as though the fit has been rectified with Yaka Pirtle. Of the things that we learned with Yaka Pirtle on the team, the 26-game fact-finding mission the Raptors set themselves on, I think the most slap-you-in-the-face fact is you should probably keep OG Ananobi on your basketball team because he's very good, and all good teams have a dude like that or, or you know someone who can approximate what he does. Most of them have guys who do that, but worse than OG. Um, there's a reason that there would be a long lineup for his services. Where are you at on the OG trade thing? Um, through the lens of Ben's question here as well, it, it's, um, it's an interesting one because I still think there's plenty of value to be had in a trade for OG at the draft for some team that's lost in the playoffs unceremoniously. You're probably getting the similar sort of haul you looked for at the deadline, but is that even worth it? And is it better to just have OG be part of the solution going forward? Um, I've come around to, I think you should just keep OG. We'll talk about the extension stuff in a second here, but um, he's he's really good, Katie. I, it's, it's really, really hard to think about moving on from that guy because as I said, even when I was proclaiming the Raptors should trade him or at least consider it long and hard, I was mindful of the fact that you trade OG you might spend the next 20 years being like damn why did we trade og yeah that happens i think with any trade mm -hmm. but like i get your point about um return and i do think that was where when it seemed like the raptors were backed into a corner at the trade deadline mm -hmm. i think that's why he probably looked like the most enticing person to be able to offer for mm -hmm. the largest return. And I, my problem with that, as much as like I got the logic, is the returns didn't even seem to be all that specific to what no. the Raptors needed at the time. It was just like almost like a grab bag, right? You're like, well, yeah. let's just try and get back as much as we can um, and then figure it out. A lot of fake first rounders seemingly thrown around. Yeah, like which is like that doesn't address any nonsense. of the very yeah. real problems that have just gotten worse and worse um, with this team. So I'm kind of at this point, like you should keep him. You should mm -hmm. try your best to keep him. My only maybe just like, I still wonder is whether your um, coaching staff and like the front office to a degree has become short-sighted on mm. OG because they have had him for so long within the team system. And I think mm -hmm. there's a natural closure of like, even expectation and what you can ask of somebody that may be remedied. And I think that's why you see a lot of players who get traded who are very good, but maybe they're, you know, not, maybe they're not your starters. Maybe they're coming off the bench or maybe they're like, you know, the best force guy on a team or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, get so much better when they get traded, especially when they've been traded from a team that they've been on for quite a few seasons mm -hmm. because there's just like a fresh, it's just like a fresh start and like a bunch of fresh eyes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think, sometimes that is more beneficial. And that's the only reason I would wonder if, if a trade would be, and that's like solely for OG, uh, mm -hmm. not for the Toronto Raptors, right? If a trade mm -hmm. would be worthwhile for him, or maybe he'd look at it as a worthwhile option still mm -hmm. um, to go somewhere different and see, you know, what other ideas they've got for him. If mm -hmm. they can, you know, if the Raptors can um, sort out the salary stuff and decide like, okay, here's the plan that we have for you. And mm -hmm. here's the way that we want to fit you into 
our system going forward. Once they figure out what that system going forward is, then I think you strive really hard to keep him. Or yeah, I do think you'd be kicking, you'd be kicking yourself. I think they'd be kicking themselves if they got rid of him last season, even before yeah. you saw mm -hmm. the like benefit, like the boon that he had this season, because he would have had this anywhere. Honestly, yeah. he is just that type of athlete. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall in his exit interview with the front office, right? Because like I'd love to know where he's at. It's mm -hmm. he seems like the hardest guy on the team to pin down exactly where he's at. And so maybe this is uh, just like a, a foolish pipe dream. But to know what his thoughts were on his role after the act trade and whether that's amenable to him as a thing to occupy, you know, going forward, that that's it's kind of what this all hinges on, right? Mm -hmm. And if there's still a level of discontent within OG and his camp with the team. Again, all burblings. We don't know anything for sure. It seems yeah. as though there's smoke, there's fire, there's something going on. But, um, you know, if there's still that level of like, I'm not sure this is for me, then you probably have to look at trading him this summer because you risk losing him for nothing at the end of next year if you can't extend him. And mm -hmm. the extension thing is interesting. The CBA, obviously, they're still like reporting it as we go here. But um, the one thing with with extension rules that applies to OG is now you can sign someone to an extension for 40% of their starting salary from the last contract um, as their starting number on their new deal, as opposed to a 20% raise. That could be enough to get OG signed to a long-term deal. If, you know, I believe it's like 26.4 million or something like that can be his mm -hmm. starting number on his next contract, as opposed to like 22 million, which would have been way too below his market value on the previous CBA rule. But I don't know if 26 mil is going to be enough either. Like it's that, that's fascinating to think about. I don't know where OG's camp is. You know, you play another season like you just played. Maybe you make another, make an all defense team if you don't make it this year, or you make a second straight if you go ahead and do that, finish higher in all defense. Does that dude get a max? And also, I think there's a very real question to be asked Do you pay a max contract to a guy who can't really create his own shot reliably? And in an NBA where offense is everything, it seems, can you afford to tie up? 25 30 percent of your salary cap in a guy who is going to have to depend on others to have shots created for him it's not an easy thing here i would like to see og around like the the dream world is you extend him this summer for that new cba allowed number and everything's happy and you go forward there but if that number is not quite high enough for og to say yes to um things get really interesting and it comes down to the the front office's conversations with him and his in his you know his representation and all that stuff and if they get any sort of burblings that og's jetting after this season then you gotta move him this summer like it, it's and we don't know it's unknowable unless you're in those rooms but um I, I think there's a serious risk if he's unhappy that you get to next season and realize if you don't trade him and he's about to walk, you realize he made a big mistake and not cashing in while you could. It's um, one of the, uh, the many layers to this Raptors offseason, Katie, that uh, I am glad I don't have to cut through because uh, it seems like a real hard job the Raptors front office has lined up for themselves. Um, as someone who often yeah. tries to go out of my way to make work as easy as possible, I don't get it, but uh, <laughs> I... I We'll trust they at least have some sort of plan and vision for what this is all going to be. Any last thoughts there on um, the, the concept of OG's summer and, and sort of all of these different unknowable questions that might dictate what happens with him? I think OG's concerns are probably most fans' concerns, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, 
what is this team going to be next season? Mm -hmm. And how does it get there? Mm -hmm. You know, like you've had your two sort of retooling seasons. These were the ones that we were told, like, we're going to take a good look and see mm -hmm. what we've got and see where the problems are. The problems are very clear, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think some like there have to be myriad big changes mm -hmm. to address those problems. So I think if you're OG, if you're his agents, you're looking at what are the actual plans in place to do that and not just platitudes of like, you know, we're going to rely on our core and their experience and da, da, da. Like there have to be significant adjustments. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think like both sides will know pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like what, whether he even wants to stay and yeah. ba that's based on like what the team's intentions are. So I'm very curious. It's going to be a, I think a pretty telling off season for the Raptors um, mm -hmm. and a very interesting one. Yeah. There's no more uh, hiding your cards. Like everything's going to be out there on display this summer, I think as far as their intentions and their sort of philosophies. Gotta be. Yeah. With OG it's um, again, I'd love to see him back. <laughs> He's really good. I, I might have been a little too antsy to see him shipped off at the deadline. But I also think there are, you know, I don't think you can just go like it. I know there's probably some who would be like, just make him like the second option, cast off Pascal and Fred and make him the second option. I think that's asking for trouble considering, like, I don't think he's Macau Bridges who you amp up his role and he just becomes what Macau Bridges has been, right? Like, I, I think there's a little bit more roboticness to the way he plays offense and... I don't think he's going to walk in and be like some sort of 26 point a game guy if you just give him free reign. Um, but maybe he fancies himself that and it's all very ethereal. I also do wonder how the Nick Nurse thing plays into OG specifically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there was kind of thought that, you know, the OG Nurse connection maybe wasn't the, the soundest throughout the season. And if Nurse is gone, maybe that's uh, OG's green light to sign up that extension and say, hey, hey, baby, let's go uh, with a new coach who I um maybe don't like or maybe I like a little bit more uh <laughs> i'm just speculating but it's just kind of connecting dots of things you hear over the course of a season katie this was lovely any parting shots before we round this thing out any uh thing you want to promote for the good people out there um no i oh i wrote something about russell westbrook because of course i did um but mm -hmm. that's on gaming society just given how great he played i think even though the clippers lost still in game two but definitely in game one <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, and I wrote something uh, much more serious uh, about the NBA's decisions around Miles Bridges' suspension, 10-game uh, suspension, and that's at Basketball Feelings. Uh, I highly recommend people read the Miles Bridges piece that Katie wrote. It absolutely sucks that uh, Katie keeps having to write these things, but we're all better off for it, Katie. Um, it's... Uh, you know, you're very, very good at what you do. And the NBA coverage scene would be a lot less thoughtful without what you do. So, um, thanks, buddy. Sucks. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please support the show by subscribing, following, rating, review for free. We're on Instagram. Follow the show there. Follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Don't follow me on Twitter. What are you doing? <laughs> um, you can also go and join the Lockdown Raptors Discord. Link in the description. It's a lot of fun. Just talking ball. Uh, I'll eventually be talking Zelda in there once the new Zelda game drops in May. Uh, so all the sickos in there will be able to jump in and chat about it with me. Um, it's lot, lots of fun. Jump on into the Discord and I uh, look forward to seeing you 
in there. We'll be back again tomorrow. Our pal Jamar Hines will be along as we continue our player review series. I'm going to let Jamar pick who he wants to review. Um, and uh, I was going to let Katie do that, but I accidentally teased. We were talking OG yesterday on the show, so I had to fully live up to my <laughs> tease and force o- <laughs> Katie to talk about OG. But I know you like talking about OG, so I didn't feel too, too bad about it. Either way, more another player review tomorrow with Jamar, and we will continue on player review season here over the next couple of weeks. And uh, then we dive into draft stuff, off-season machinations, all that good stuff. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much, and uh, go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs. Ugh, it was bad last night. The boys over there, Mike and Dave, breaking it all down uh, accordingly. It sucked, but the podcast will be very good. So go do that. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks for hanging. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.